Sound of Hockey episode 169. We're calling this one the Cali Yarncrack episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, he's been playing some pretty good hockey for the Seattle Kraken. 10 points in his last 10 games. He's starting to heat up. The challenge here, though, is he's on the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. So he might not be a Kraken for very long. Okay. But we'll see. Oh. Two things. One, uh, what does that have to do with number 169? And two... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we just have a Kelly Yarncrick episode like a few weeks ago? I swear we did, unless I'm just Hopefully. making that up. Okay. Hopefully, yeah. All right. John is a big Yarncrick supporter. That's I do. Truth. I need. Yeah, that's true. What we did. <laughs> you sent me up there. You knew that. Yeah, we didn't. We did need Yarncrick before because you asked about the Yarncrick jersey. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And I said yeah. no. No, it was Martin Erat. Uh huh. So and then we talked about. Merrick Zidlicky and all of a sudden. Right. Maybe we should come up with some new players for future, but I... I Isn't there only a limited number of players in the league? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's like seven. Yeah. Anyway, this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Eide. Hello, Andy. Hello. How's it going? I'm at Andy Eide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. And we recognize that it's been quite a while since we've talked to you. And so it's good to be back. Uh, We weren't planning on taking time off, but I don't think the entire hockey world was planning on taking time off either. (laughs) Uh, And that's pretty much what happened. So basically, Omicron came in and it was like, listen, you all need to take a two-week break right now. And so that's what we did. I thankfully did not get Omicron, but I did have a close contact to Omicron during my trip to Minnesota, which made everyone in my family be like, uh, it was just a very, very strange trip because we all kind of... How was that women's hockey game, by the way? It got canceled. Yep. So that was my game on the radar. (laughs) Um, It got canceled. Uh, Actually, though, my my niece who was supposed to play between periods, that was devastated. So that was a huge bummer that 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 didn't get to to happen. Um, But... Oh, well, I guess uh, maybe they'll do it again sometime in the future. But yeah, just a just a weird trip in general with uh, everything that was going on there. It just we were all kind of sitting there waiting to get COVID and then it just didn't happen. <laughs> so but it just kind of put a cloud over the whole trip. Andy, I know that you had a nice little trip down to California as well. And then your travel, yep. your travel was very smooth getting back, right? <laughs> yeah, I uh, flew back the day it snowed mm-hmm. or I guess the day after it snowed here in Seattle on the 25th, 6th, whatever day that was. And yeah. uh, f- landed fine, got out of San Jose perfectly. Perfectly fine. Two-hour flight, no problem. Landed at 9.30. Had a nice day with a nap uh, involved uh, planned for myself. And we got stuck on the tarmac after landing. We sat there for three hours on the oh, plane. Three, <clears throat> three hours Which, after you land, is yep. uh, that's got to be about as bad as it gets. because Longer than the flight. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> that's happened a few times to me. Never, Certainly never for that long. And for some reason at Seattle, too, there's always like a wait for a gate. But that's there's nothing was, yeah. worse. There's nothing worse than when you land and then you have to wait because you're like, all right, I made it. Like we're smooth sailing from here, right? And then <laughs> yep. something like that happens after you've landed. That is that is true misery right there. So that's my hell on earth right there. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> that's I, a good way to describe it. It's not like I'm claustrophobic, but you know, a certain amount of time where I I would start to freak out. I think. Hmm. Yeah, well, you're just sitting there. You're just doing nothing. Yeah, sitting there, you can't, can't imagine anything. I told the story to Everett Fitzhugh of the Seattle Kraken radio crew. Heard of the guy and, from the pod. And he, yep. he, he, this is the story. He said, man, if that were me, I'd be on the no-fly list by now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we're glad to be back. I, I will say, I think uh, it was kind of weird to take the week and a half off. I don't think any of us really expected to, like I said, um, but it just kind of felt right to do it. There wasn't really any hockey happening, and um, it just 
you know, as the week progressed, it was just like, you know what? If we just didn't do a podcast this week, I think it would probably be okay. So anyway, we're back. Here we are. Uh, Episode 169, and there's nothing funny about that. The Kraken have played three games now uh, since the holiday, since their long extended break. They played the Flyers, the Flames, and the Canucks all at home. All of them ended in losses. The game against the Flyers was an overtime loss. If you connect the dots between the three games, there is one uh, very concerning parallel, which is that uh, in all three games, they gave up goals within a minute of (laughs) scoring an important goal at the other end of the ice. So first one in the Flyers game, they gave up a goal. What was it? Like 15 seconds, I think, after they took the lead. Uh, and mm-hmm. then the Flyers get the tying goal. JVR had his second of the game. Yes, that's the JVR that the Kraken could have had in the expansion draft, but passed on him, which I still think was probably the right call. But nonetheless, it is funny how that keeps happening. Then the Flames game, they what did they they tied the game and then immediately gave up the winning goal seconds later. And then the Canucks game, they were down two. They scored to bring themselves back within one. And then the Benny Hill show erupted with Mark Giordano <laughs> and Jamie Alexiak running into. They ran into to each other behind the net. Oh, let's see. Alexiak got Giordano's stick between his legs, did the like can opener thing, fell down. As he was falling down, he ripped Giordano's stick out of his hands. Uh, and then that puck <laughs> went out to Connor Garland, who scored. So that one put them back up by two goals. So three games in a row. Hackstall like downplayed it after the third one. But yeah. I mean, it's a that's a thing. You know, there's that's three games in a row. That's no longer just a narrative. Like that's a that's a thing at that point. And you can go back throughout the season. There's been other instances like uh, of that happening. You know, you think of like the Vegas opening night. Vegas they scored a tie at three three, and yep. less than a minute later, Vegas scores the game winner. And yep. it happened in Arizona. Arizona. It happened the second time they played Vegas. They scored right before the second period to go up, and then Vegas scored in the last shift. And it was interesting how Haxall didn't want to even really address that because he got asked. We all asked about it. I think every one of us asked about it. And he was just like, oh, that's not that wasn't the issue tonight. Or he had some non-answer for it, which was interesting. Yes, that is interesting. He does have a way of, you know, trying to find <laughs> positives in in very bad games. And I thought the Canucks game was a pretty bad game. I, I didn't think they looked yep. very good. I thought they deserved to win both the Flyers game and the Flames game, or at least they could have won, I should say. The Canucks game, I don't know. It just it didn't feel like it was going to be their night to me. I thought against Vancouver, they played one of the worst first periods they've played all season. They just looked just out of it. Sluggish. As he said today, they were sluggish. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ice in that game, you have Bruce Boudreaux, who now is 8-0-1 since taking over the Vancouver Canucks. And they were, you know, that's when they were just in the absolute tank, right? They Mm -hmm. changed coaches brought in Bruce Boudreaux, it looked like the organization was just like going down the tubes essentially, right? And they'd finally fire their GM, finally fire their coach, bring in Bruce Boudreaux, uh, and they have not looked back. So, I mean, that's their closest rival, Pacific Division, right? And obviously it's just getting worse and worse for the Kraken here with every game that they lose. And now they have two more games postponed. So there's just, I don't know, I, I, I just, I don't know that there's much of a chance for them to get back in it anymore. For a while, I thought there was. And with these continuing losses, Losses mounting. I'm starting to feel like it's becoming a lost cause this season, but I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think it's time to kind of hang it up and start rooting for losses or <laughs> where do you think we're at here? Well, I will never root for losses, yes. right? mm-hmm. um, but I do think that they were eliminated before Christmas, honestly, eliminated from the playoffs, that is. Um, so right now it's basically playing as an underdog and trying to be spoiler and beating teams that think they want they're going to come in here and win now the bummer i think about those three games is we tend to remember what they did lately and that meaning the vancouver game the last game that they played where the flyers and the flames i think the flyers and the flames both played a good 
game and Seattle still had an opportunity to win. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're probably over-indexing, and, and I say we as in fan base, media, is over-indexing to the latest loss, and that's the Canucks, where they looked flat. They didn't look like they had much of a chance. So unfortunately, you know, I think the narrative I felt is that they're they're competing in every game, right? But somehow we lost that with that most recent loss of to Vancouver. So I still think they're competitive. I think they're better than their record shows, but at the same time, there's little to no chance of climbing back in the playoff picture here. Regardless how many points away we are, there's so many teams we have to yep. climb over, which is usually the bigger challenge because that they're going to still yep. accumulate points as we're just trying to get you know a couple points back because the loser point or when when you lose in overtime or a shootout, you know, it, it's tough to gain ground when people are also gaining points. So I've looked at this before. It's it's very, very challenging to get back in it. Now, yeah. we all know St. Louis did it a couple of years ago, but this isn't St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's a case in point for you, John. The Vancouver Canucks, who are now 8-0-1, as we just said, under Bruce Boudreaux, they are still in second to last place in the division after, <laughs> after yep. they've got on that stretch. So, I mean, that means that the Kraken need to go on like double that stretch to, you know, I mean, like that's that's just not likely to happen, I don't think. I mean, the, the way that they would have to play here the rest of the season to squeak into the playoffs, it feels it feels unlikely. But nonetheless, I mean, I got to say, you know, we we had talked about this a couple of times, how, you know, I wondered what it would be like if the team was not successful in the first year? What if it was, um, you know, it was a bad team and, and they lost every game and home games and whatever. And now they're up to what, five losses in a row and seven or eight of their last nine, I think. And, you know, I wondered if like the atmosphere in the arena would die off. I wondered if it would be particularly painful to go and watch and cover and all that stuff. And I have not felt that yet. I really have not. The, the atmosphere has been a blast. I think the Canucks game was like jam-packed with people I mean, it was fun to you know fun to be there fun to watch um so i it, it is what it is you know they're an expansion team we all knew that this was a possibility that they weren't going to be particularly good in their first year we were hopeful that they'd be good but we didn't know right so uh anyway it's it's disappointing but at the same time it kind of is what it is and i'm going to continue enjoying it because that's what i'm doing so uh yeah <laughs> speaking of which i'm totally bummed that there's such a gap between games now i know right yeah. like it's not that it's it's like the highlight of my week, but it almost is. You know, it's something I block out on my calendar, whether it's a away game or home game. I'm blocking it out, getting excited about it, planning my day, making sure I get my workout in before the game starts so there's no guilt. I can just enjoy it. So anyway, that's that's where I'm at. So I, I agree with you there, Darren. Yeah. I uh, what, what John said about the playoffs, though, I, I couldn't agree more on, you know, it, technically there's enough games where they could get enough points, but it's, it's all there's like seven teams between them and the last playoff spot and they're all going to play each other so they're they're all going to be getting points at some point so it's just too much of a, of a hill to climb yeah uh, by the way a funny non-kraken related note about boudreau so his start he's he set a new franchise record for most wins in a coach's first 10 games so for you canucks fans who are excited about this start and what it might mean he broke the record of willie desjardins so <laughs> not necessarily an indicator of long-term success there oh, for the Canucks, but so far so good so bruce there it is all right oh god you know they were actually doing that <laughs> a little that. bit at the arena the other that. night yep. that was disgusting i was i was unhappy with that speaking of off ice things so brandon tanev i don't know if we've even talked about him being out for the season i think we definitely discussed that he had left with an injury the last time that we recorded but i don't think there was so so long ago like i don't even think we knew his diagnosis uh, but he had an acl injury 
out for the season, obviously a massive loss for the team. And I immediately noticed it. Like the first game that we were back watching, you know, even like in warmups, you know, he brings so much energy, even in warmups doing these crazy things where he's spinning around. And John, you were doing your 12 days of turbo and all that. Like it's just him doing goofy, fun things and like (laughs) flying around and like, you know, and then the game starts and you're like, they look slow tonight. Why do they look so slow? Well, because Tanev's not there, (laughs) you know, like it's yeah, they are slower. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating how much of an impact. And even though he is a, you know, depth guy, really, like he's kind of a, kind of a grinder type of player, but he brings so much energy and the fans love him. And it's just, it's very disappointing to see that he's out. However, uh, he did have his surgery here in the last couple of days and it was a successful surgery. So he's expected to be back for next season. But I mean, nonetheless, like that's, that's devastating to lose him a year. Yes. And that's, and that's all we have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> It's a bummer, man. He was such a fan favorite too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he probably got more attention than he really might imply from his skill level, but he's played really well considering. And man, there's probably more tan of, I know more tan of jerseys than any others. That's for sure. hundred well, percent. Especially after the season started, before the season started, he wasn't the best seller, but yeah. After like a week of hockey, he's now he became best one of the best sellers. Yeah, uh, and then other off ice issues. So there's been some more guys in and out of COVID protocol. Jeremy Lausanne was missed the last game with protocol going into protocol. Uh, Alex Wenberg did not practice today. We're recording on Monday, so he's now in protocol. Thankfully, protocol only lasts like a day and a half now, so they'll probably be back for the next game. Uh, <laughs> Mason Appleton, five days, yeah, Mason Appleton, Ryan Donato, and Vince Dunn are all back from protocol, so uh, that's kind of the ins and outs of the roster. Uh, and then we had this incredible story that we do have to at least mention, which is that before the Vancouver game. There was a tweet from the Vancouver Canucks saying, hey, last time we were here, because remember, this is the second time these teams have played each other in Seattle. Our assistant equipment manager, Red Hamilton, had somebody bang on the glass and say uh, or hold up a a message on her cell phone saying, hey, it looks like you might have a cancerous mole on your neck. Please go get checked out. So they sent that out, said, hey, we got to find this this fan, uh, make sure that she knows that we're very thankful, this and that. So she happened to be coming to the game that night again, sitting in the same seats. Apparently, her, her parents have season tickets. She's a 22-year-old med school student going into going into med school, I should say. And so they tracked her down, did this whole tribute to her on the Jumbostron, uh, and then they gave her a $10,000 scholarship towards her med school tuition, which is uh, unbelievable. I just thought it was so cool. Great story, obviously, and it's gotten just massive attention nationwide, not just here in Seattle. Yeah, it, it was really cool. Uh, you know, Hamilton, had they, they gave him a presser in the morning to talk about it, and uh, they had just located who this woman was, Nadia is her name uh papa Vici, i think is her last name how you yep. pronounce it could be wrong but uh he said at the time he felt bad because he kind of blew it off he kind of was just like okay whatever and he didn't even know he had a mole in the back of his neck <laughs> so uh he but he woke up in the morning and he thought man she was so persistent that i get this message that maybe i should get it checked out and he did and it was uh it was malignant melanoma and they were able to get it because he was in so quickly and, and uh get it out of him so pretty amazing story that she did you know make a big impact on his life and uh the, the gift of ten thousand dollars was split between the Canucks and, and the Kraken. They, they came together to give her that. And what I liked is when they announced that, she didn't know that. And her reaction was priceless. Like, she kind of looked around like, what? What did they just say? And yeah. that, was a, that was really cool how they handled that and didn't tell her until they told everybody. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. 
you know, as not great as the product was on the ice that night, it was really cool off the ice because they had this whole Nadia thing going on. Uh, they also had the introduction of their new organ player, which so happens to be Rod Masters, who so happens to be the organist from Slapshot that gets hit in the head with the puck. And then remember, Paul Newman goes up and rips up his sheet music and says, never play Lady of Spain again. <laughs> so <laughs> it was awesome. And, and he so happens to live locally. So he's actually done like a couple little bits where they show him during games up on the big screen. He's like, well, my local team is the Kraken. And then he plays a plays a song. Now, apparently he's like actually their organist. So that's just awesome. Uh, what they did to introduce him or part of it was they actually showed that clip of uh, the Lady of Spain scene in Slapshot. And then they had him play Lady of Spain and he got to play the whole thing <laughs> on the Jumbotrons, which was yep. uh, in- incredible. And then also in that game, they had a 98 year old fan named Eunice. And yeah. she's, she goes, yeah, my birthday's coming up in a couple of weeks. So they they had us all sing happy birthday while Rod Masters was leading it on the organ. So it was just, it was an awesome night. Like there was some really cool stuff happening off the ice. Uh, so it was kind of a shame that the, the on ice product was not what we hoped for that particular. That's your Demko played well. He was yeah. on the ice. Yeah. I mean, the Canucks product was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. He had, like, he had like 27 saves, something like that. 30 yeah. saves. I forget what he had. Yeah. That's uh, kind of what's happening in Kraken land. It was not a great week. You know, they, they got back from this long break and then they lose three in a row, adding to their already existing losing streak. And yeah, just just not a great week. But um, now they get extra time off because they have these next two games, uh, Tuesday and I believe Thursday was supposed to be, are both postponed because of COVID issues with the other team. So uh, next game is not until the 10th in Colorado. So we won't see them here for a while, but that will probably be a good thing for them to get plenty of practice. Let's talk about what's happening around the NHL. First off, uh, we got to talk about the Olympics officially not getting canceled, but NHLers are no longer going to the Olympics. What were your guys' reactions to this? And we know this was a long time ago. But we haven't gotten to talk about it yet, and we we just need to. So uh, what did you guys think about all this? Well, I, I think it's a bummer. I think we all enjoy that tournament when it's got the full NHL participation. But I also wasn't surprised. And we saw this coming. There were speculation and, and some players making comments. And so it wasn't shocking to see it happen. Doesn't mean it's not disappointing and, and a bummer. But, uh, you know, I don't know what else I could do. I did see a story today that apparently Batman has been trying to get hockey moved to, an, to a summer Olympic sport. Um, not sure how that would work. But, yeah, so it'll be another cycle of Olympics without the NHLers there. Yeah, we all saw this coming, uh, but we did hear some resistance from the players originally to the rules that they were going to go by, and we thought maybe it would be players opt out, but this was definitely Mm -hmm. a league decision. And if you look at, you know, I think the Islanders have had 10 games postponed because of COVID, and, you know, you got to make those games up somehow. And if it's only about a a 15-day, 16-day break that they take for the Olympics when you kind of factor in the All-Star game, which apparently is still on the table... (laughs) Of course it is. You know, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, that's what it, the people want right there. It's it's really hard to, you know, it. if you look at the Kraken have seven games, they need to reschedule. Yeah. If they just schedule it in that break, that's about a little bit more than, it's like 2.1 days per game that they would have to average. And so then you also have to think about travel logistics and all that. That is already kind of eating into that whole break. So there yeah, is going to be no break. Yeah. yeah. So. And and Kraken are in the high end of canceled, postponed games, but that's right now. If any more get postponed, it's going to get tight. They're going to have to kind of look at adding it mid-schedule already, which has already been a little bit more of a condensed schedule mm-hmm. as they try to get back on track. So no surprise, bummer. Uh, I was really looking forward to get up at 3 a.m. to watch some hockey, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah, Aren't you already up at that time anyways? 
Usually five. Okay. <laughs> that's a great Close. point, Andy. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, it does beg the question now, what do they do instead? Is there going to be an alternative thing? Are they going to do a World Cup? And if so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I could see them doing it. I, I do think that there's a desire for the NHL players to have some sort of outlet like this where they get to play for their country and play against one another. Um, Yeah, we keep hearing that best on best, although I don't know if I really buy that that's what you would call it because there's teams like Latvia and Belarus and stuff. But um, nonetheless, uh, I I just... (laughs) But it's the best of those teams, too. I I think that there's there's an appetite for it, but I also wonder, you know, like how how good was... You know, the World Cup games were great last time, but how much traction did it get i don't know i don't little to none yeah i don't feel like it it got that much attention globally nationally i just don't think it did as much as uh maybe they think to grow the game but then again uh it is a revenue generator whereas the olympics aren't so it's probably easy for the nhl to say we don't want our guys to go and it's the nhl nhl claims they don't get much of a bump from the actual olympics right so you might as well do a revenue generating thing because they make nothing from the olympics yeah well that's exactly my point that said i but i do believe there is some advantage of going the Olympics. I think that's BS that the NHL often says that they have no, they don't see an uptick of play. They don't see an uptick of attendance because of the Olympics. And I think they're looking a little bit more short-term or long-term. I think there is, there's yeah. benefits, but that's just uh, me without all the data in front of me. Yeah. So. And speaking of revenue generating global international tournaments uh, and not revenue generating, I think it's a pretty good segue. I think we have a decent segue here. I'm just going to leave it at that. The IIHF has been doing some interesting things over the last few weeks. <laughs> so first off, they just straight up canceled the U18 tournament for the women. They did not say that it was postponed or that they were going to try to make it up or anything like that. I believe Team USA came and said, hey, we want to challenge you to find another date to make this work. And for whatever reason, the statement back in not probably more eloquent words than this, but they basically said, all right, well, you show us a plan. So they were basically telling like USA, all right, you figure it out. (laughs) Do it yourselves. You want us to try to figure it out? What are we, the international hockey governing body (laughs) that puts on these tournaments? No, you tell us how to do it. And we'll do it. But so then they well, bend over backwards. Okay, come on. You know what the context there is. Yes, though, right? to some degree. To some degree, okay. I do. But anyway, they bend over backwards to make World Juniors happen, except uh, Omicron makes its way in and there seems to be no backup plan whatsoever. It's a pretty big disaster from the beginning. And I, John, I'd love to get your take on this because you probably have uh, uh, more context on it than I do uh, as well. But wouldn't you know, right, that they put all this work into making the World Juniors happen? In my eyes, because it is the revenue generator, right? And of course, it just isn't run properly. And it's just like, it's another black eye for the IIHF after a a tough stretch here for them. So anyway, let's hear your thoughts on it. Okay, so there's no doubt mistakes were made, right? And from a PR perspective, they really had a rough week. Um, First of all, the U18 uh, women or girls, I think they call it girls, U18 girls tournament, it was canceled along with five other tournaments in the calendar that were planned for January, February. So it wasn't just canceling the U18 girls tournament. You're right that World Juniors is a revenue generating event that helps fund the other events. The only other event that raises money for the IIHF is the World Championships every year. So that's another event that raised money so that they can put on these other events. Mm-hmm. Now they've been in a COVID hole, that's for sure. And putting on a COVID sensitive tournament costs more money than it normally does. Not to mention that there was a big economic impact of lower attendance and last year so that they had to make that up. I'm not trying to justify why they canceled 
the event, but I'm just giving context around the cancellation itself. Right. So those are factors. So Omicron wasn't much of a thing leading into the planning of this. And we all know it's much more contagious. It can transfer a lot easier and it's everywhere, obviously. And the NHL's seeing that. So when they were doing all the planning around creating these like pseudo bubbles, they weren't pure bubbles, but these pseudo bubbles, there wasn't the threat of Omicron at the time. So there is some context that they built these bubbles or these solutions to having this tournament without Omicron in mind. So Mm -hmm. that's what caused a lot of the issues. That's why there was positive cases. And all of a sudden, you can't really have a tournament because just like the NHL games are just getting canceled left and right. And there was a question about the integrity of the tournament. So, So that's where we're at. Do we want to talk about potential solutions here? Well, yeah. I mean, I think there is there is a market to make up the World Juniors, uh, which again, here they go bending over backwards to make it clear that they do want to try to have a tournament. <laughs> uh, and by the way, it is it is the women's. I looked it up to make sure it's the women's U18 okay. tournament. I apologize for that. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see them trying to pull it off in summer, but then, you know, does that impact who plays in it? Like if you're, if you're somebody who is going into your first NHL season, then do you want to go and potentially get injured playing in this tournament. I mean, it's just, it's a weird situation. And and like, what about the age cutoffs and stuff like that? Like, are all the guys that are eligible this year, are they still eligible? There's just a lot of questions I think that would need to be well, answered. They, yeah, you're right. They've already answered some of those, but mm-hmm. it, but those are all valid. We, we're not going to answer them all because they, they really need to be kind of put pen to paper, if you will. Yeah. Now, I do think they're going to have the women's tournament as well. The challenge there is the hosting organization. In this case, it's the Sweden affiliate of USA Hockey, right? So whatever, Sweden Hockey or whatever. Sweden Hockey, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they We are Sweden Hockey. Hockey Sweden. <laughs> they are actually the ones <laughs> that the put the bill, right? <laughs> yes, go on. Sorry, I was doing the Swedish chef. Carry on. Carry on. I uh, understand that. So they foot the bill <laughs> and they weren't willing to foot the bill uh, to have this tournament with no attendance. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of the context behind some of that stuff. That's gotcha. what I was trying to say. Now, if USA wants to solve this, they can fund it. And I think that's pretty much what the IHF has said is. But okay, I if USA is going to fund it, they're not going to want it to be held in Sweden, right? No, 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 for sure. But yeah. but the bottom line is you bring the money to the table, then we'll talk. Yep. And and I think USA Hockey is also in a tough spot right now because participation is way down, memberships way down. They they need mm-hmm. to think about these things as well. So it's I don't want to kind of over defend the IHF because it's not been a great couple weeks and they've clearly blundered some things. There's some things they could have definitely done differently, but at the same time, it's important to me that people understand context around these things yeah. and the challenges with them. Not that I'm saying they, they're not solvable at, a, at all or they they made the right decision. I'm just saying let's understand the whole thing instead of reading a tweet and then assuming that's all I need to understand about it. Right. Well, and I think that's one of the things that keeps us relatively level-headed on this podcast too, John, is the fact that you, uh, just as a person, you, you tend to try to understand the full context of a story rather than just one side of it, which if only Where everyone... You guys just mail it in. And right. Just go. Oh, yeah. I read one tweet and I'm like, look at this. Look at these idiots at IAHF. Look what they're doing, huh? But I mean, think about if the world all approached things like that, just trying to understand the full context on both sides and everything else. And that's not how our world is. We all want to see one side of things. But, you know, this whole thing, though, like and and think about the optics of it, too. And I just when I saw it all breaking, it felt to me 
and this is why I've been kind of like up in arms about the world junior stuff too, is like, it felt to me like they, they didn't expect anyone to test positive and they had no backup plan when clearly like somebody is going to test positive, especially because they didn't actually have it in a bubble. You know, like I understand Mm -hmm. that when the NHL had its bubble in Edmonton, they didn't have any positive tests during that whole thing. So they proved that the bubble could work, but think about how insanely strict that thing was, right? Like there was nobody going in or out. This thing, they had a freaking wedding at the hotel yeah. where all the players were staying. Like, of course, there's going to be some contacts. And of course, there's a chance that somebody's going to end up testing positive. So uh, I just it just felt strange. Like, it felt like they didn't really do the due diligence this time. And I know that, you know, I'm not in the conversations to understand what protocols they're taking and what, uh, you know, preparation they're doing and all that. But it just outside looking in, it felt very thrown together. Like they just didn't have a real real plan to actually keep people from testing positive. So, and you're right about Omicron too. Like I, I don't think that anybody recognized going in just how, how much of a change this was going to be in the landscape and how quickly things were happening. Right. But uh, it's still, it just, it felt like they, they didn't have a backup plan for any kind of positive test. You, you knew that people were going to test positive. That's just how things were going uh, in the world. So then why but not why a month on? ago when they were planning this? That's, no, that's what I, I want to say. But in the lead up, in like the days leading up to it, it certainly was. I mean, it was, you know, like, so, so why then even carry on with the tournament if you know that people are going to eventually test positive based on how things were trending? But yeah, I, I think, yeah, they could have seen it a little sooner than canceling the, but maybe they're like, F it. We're at a point of no return, <laughs> yeah, maybe. right? And we need to just kind of go, hopefully, you know, cross our fingers and pray that nothing happens and didn't work, right. obviously. Well, we should just say, though, uh, very, very disappointing to, I mean, I was so excited for that tournament. I know you guys were as well. Uh, and obviously for the players that were involved and, and who knows, maybe they'll get a chance to participate now in the, in the summer if they end up postponing it and doing it again, uh, later on. But if they, you know, if, if that really is how world juniors ends for a lot of these guys and a lot of these guys, like they're, they're not going to make it to the NHL, you know, especially from some of the smaller countries. So like, this is the, the premier like pinnacle of their hockey careers in, in a lot of cases. And um, to have it go that way and end that way is pretty devastating. So you also had players who this was their last shot at it too, um, who now may not get a chance to do it again. And it is a prestigious tournament uh, amongst the hockey world. And yeah, it's just, it's just bad all around. Slovakia actually had a really strong team for, you know, it was, there was a lot of buildup for this year. Not that it would be a stretch that they made a podium, but it's the best probably team that they've been able to put on the ice in this tournament for a while. So, so they were really uh, ratcheted up for it and kind of excited to, to maybe, maybe throw themselves into a metal scenario. So unfortunate, you're right across the board. There's a lot of players that whether it's their draft year that really need to be on this stage to really evaluate their skill and help their draft status or even make them draftable at all. So Total bummer for the players, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but again, like what I'm most disappointed for is uh, people like us who really wanted to watch yeah, it. The <laughs> That's what's most important. We're the, we're, the, we're the losers here. We're the <laughs> but hey, if we can get... <laughs> How dare you call us losers? <laughs> if we can get a tournament in July, well, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, maybe they should host that at Climate Pledge Arena. Oh, now we're talking. That'd be cool. <laughs> I've thought about it. I've thought about it when they were talking about finding a spot and then yeah. actually 
you might as well host the under 18 women's tournament as well yep, at the same time. Yeah. I think uh, I would dig that. That would be awesome. I mean, Make you, really, a package you, have, deal. you have three, you have three arenas here that you could utilize for mm-hmm. other games and preliminary games and, and practice facility can be used to, yep. oh, yeah. to a large extent too. So we are set be, up for those things, man. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's make it happen. Screw it. Let's, let's just do uh, like a GoFundMe kind of a thing. Uh, oh. Right. And we'll just have our, our listeners pay for it. That should work. There's enough Airbnbs here for players to isolate themselves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Billet families, you know, we already have that yeah. in place. So. Bar down studios, put yeah. a couple cots down here. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Oh, a space heater, a space heater. Luxurious. In It'll July. Be summer. It'll be yeah. fine, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so that's the IAHF IT show, if you will, from oh. these past couple of weeks. I kind of bleeped myself there. Did you get it? The I other it. sort of large event that actually did happen was the Winter Classic. That was on New Year's Day. Uh, so that was on Saturday and you know, the Kraken were playing against the Canucks. So I didn't really get to watch too much of it. Uh, even though I am a Minnesotan, as some of you may know from listening to this podcast and even no, though really? I have spent time watching First the Minnesota wild, uh, and I waited a long time to get to see that event because the Kraken were playing, true. I didn't really watch hardly any of it, but I do know that the blues won six to four. I know that Cam Talbot got injured in the game. I know that both Kirill Kaprizov and Vlad Tarasenko scored goals in the game. I also know that the Blues entered the stadium on a <laughs> negative eight degree day wearing beach garb, which I thought was hilarious. So it was great. <laughs> yeah. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, the Blues are going to for sure win tonight. Just <laughs> There's, yeah. it, there's it was, no chance. It was funny, but if you watch those videos, some of them are like, "Hey, yeah, we're here," like not wearing like wearing shorts and flip flops. But there were a couple guys that were like, "Where's the door? Where do I where do I go in?" This is very cold. <laughs> uh, I was very proud of myself too because I noticed that Ryan O'Reilly was wearing uh, some Tiva sandals, and I happen to have the same ones, so I felt oh. pretty cool because I think Ryan O'Reilly's. I mean, I think he's seen as so. Yeah, he's, that felt he's, good. he's the standard. He's the standard of cool. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw him. I saw him yeah, come he's out. Why, he's why I have a beard. I, I'd be clean. Is that right? Weren't for him. Yeah. Yeah, you look just like him. <laughs> I saw him come out wearing that outfit, and I'm like, there's just there's no chance for the Wild tonight. So, and and I was correct. <laughs> but you know, they also like the Blues had played a game. The Wild hadn't played in weeks, so I just wasn't surprised that that was the outcome. So allegedly, it was the coldest uh, NHL game on record, which that's just kind of what happens in Minnesota in January. And I wasn't remotely surprised to hear that. Okay. So they had to heat the ice. They had to keep it warm. <laughs> yeah. They thought it was going to crack. That's, if, uh... that, it's just, I still can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we now move on to our segments. And our first segment is everyone's favorite segment. Goalie Gear Corner! <laughs> our Goalie Gear Corner this week comes from that particular game. The Minnesota Wild goalies each had custom gear made. And I think they're both they're both pretty cool. I mean, Cam Talbot had basically like the jerseys that they were wearing, which had these stripes, horizontal stripes at the top and the bottom. Uh, and then it had a Minneapolis St. Paul with the state of Minnesota in the middle. Uh, so he kind of replicated that on the pads. They're Bauer pads. I think the whole look is really, really sharp. Uh, he did a great job on this. I didn't love their jerseys that they wore, mostly because they had elbow patches, but that's not really related to the segment. <laughs> 
And then Capo Kakinen had the like the brown throwback look on a on a Vaughn setup, and I think it looks really cool too. He had the like the holes on the blocker like they used to have, and um, and he actually has straps that go across the shin, so they they look pretty legit. Really like both these setups. I think they look pretty good. So well done, Minnesota Wild. How come we're not seeing the blue setups for this I game? I don't think he did anything special. Like I don't think Bennington had right. anything unique. He was just wearing a All regular right. true setup. I mean, if if it's a, a special setup and I didn't realize it, then I apologize. But it looks to me like he was wearing regular everyday garb and he didn't even put a toque on over his mask like cam Talbot oh, did so well, that's that's no good i know like what a what a loser it was minus it was like 55 below zero whatever it was uh minus eight let's not get oh, too dramatic eight, here andy yeah, jeez. <laughs> jeez it's only minus eight yeah, that's <laughs> it felt like minus 55 would you know the difference uh, uh, no i don't know that i would I, I hope i never have to answer that question yeah for real you know i gotta say though like credit to minnesotans because it was minus eight and that place was you know forty thousand people jam-packed oh, yeah, yeah. and they looked like they were having a blast so uh i mean you know you had people with like their beers frozen over and uh they're taking pictures of their eyelids frozen and stuff and but everyone was like <laughs> oh, dressed for it they had that's a good time <laughs> 10, 10 layers and they had uh you know like ski goggles on you know i did go to an outdoor hockey game once at lambeau field when i was in college and it was like similar weather like it was below 10 degrees and it was a blast like everyone just wore a gazillion layers you got pretty well tuned up so you had the liquid sleeves on and um, (laughs) he's got to lean into it yeah exactly so uh i I think they had a good time i'm sure it wasn't the outcome they wanted and uh minnesota didn't play very well so uh anyway that's our goal year corner we now move on to bad boys Sam Bennett has been suspended three games for what, John? Illegal check to the head versus uh-huh. a legal check to the head. Um, yeah, so unfortunate. You know, Bennett, I love Bennett as a player. He kind of plays on the edge a little bit. He goes full ballistic, and I think he just took it a little too far. So he's out for three games. Unfortunate. Yeah, uh, he hit Cedric Paquette, who I think Cedric Paquette actually did get hurt. But He did? I actually, like, it didn't look that bad bad to me you know it just it didn't seem like there was anything vindictive it was just one of those plays where it happened fast and he yeah, caught him he did caught him he caught him up high there's no you're question right about it, it wasn't it wasn't like a dirty hit it was yeah. just like an unfortunate gotta control your body enough if you will yeah. yeah kind of thing so did he not get suspended in the playoffs for a game two though Sam he, he has a, a history he has yeah. a history so yeah so i wonder how that played into the three games it did so that's our bad boys we now move on to our weekly one-timers <laughs> Which I'm happy to say we didn't completely forget to do for the first time in three weeks. Uh, so that's a good step in the right direction for us. Two of, the, two of those weeks we didn't have a show. So it was that's hard to forget. true. Sorry. The last three episodes, I should say. <laughs> so our first weekly one-timer. Dylan... <laughs> That was quiet. Dylan Larkin <laughs> bought a fan a beer. He during it was pretty funny during the warmups for one of their games, and this was like a long time ago now. So, but it's been in our show notes forever because I thought it was funny. He slammed <laughs> into the boards, and the the fan had their beer sitting like on the dasher. And when he slammed into the board, it knocked the beer down. So he went over to the equipment manager. He's like, "Hey, do you have twenty bucks in cash? Would you mind running it over to?" <laughs> those people so that they can buy a new beer, uh, which I thought was pretty great. And also good grasp by Larkin to say, hey, arena beers are extremely expensive. Yes. Uh, and to recognize that, you know, 10 bucks wouldn't cover a fresh beer. So uh, he's a man of the people. That's but, right. So this is a great story. And it's funny, but there's a part of me and I wonder if there's a part of you that thinks what fan puts their beer on the dasher for warmups or yeah. even a game. 
It's you a little bit novice. Gets filled. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit novice. I would agree. Uh, but, you know, it happened and Larkin recognized that it happened and he made up for it. So I thought that was pretty cool. See, and now everyone's going to put their, their beer on the dash or so it gets knocked off and a player buys a new one. Well, but not everybody's a good guy like Dylan Larkin. <laughs> That's true. Right? Well, I mean, and also, I, I thought this is where you were going, Andy. Uh-huh. The fact that he was mic'd up. Mm, that's a good uh, point. He's like, oh crap! People are are gonna realize this. I was mic'd up. The camera's on me. Okay, I better I better act like a good guy. Now I I do. So what? What do you act like that without yeah. the camera on him? <laughs> but if you're if you're gonna test out this theory by putting your beers on the dasher at warm ups. Yeah. If those guys aren't mic'd up, you might not get your beer. So <laughs> fair point. Be careful. Well, I tell Report you what. Back. Tyler yeah. Bertuzzi knocks over your beer. You're out 16 bucks, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's it. <laughs> Our next weekly one-timer. Ethan Prow plays his first NHL game at age 29 and does what, John? Scores a goal in his first game. Incredible. Yeah. Do you know this guy already, No. Darren? No, but oh, I know he he's from my state. state. Yeah, he went to St. Cloud State, so I was thinking maybe maybe you kind of – he was on your radar a bit. but No. You know, typical undrafted AHL, spent some time in the ECHL a bit. Uh, last season, he was playing for Munich in the DEL, the hmm. Deutschland uh, Elite League, I assume. So, yeah, pretty cool story. I thought that was awesome. So, anyway, cool cool story. Scores a goal. What a, Ethan what a, How do yeah. you like that? 29 years old. Awesome. Yeah, I love it, those stories. Yeah. yeah. And our final weekly one-timer. Circling back to the WJC a bit, the Russian team left the tournament after it was sort of canceled, just postponed, disbanded, whatever. And they got themselves in a little bit of trouble. Andy, what did they do? Well, they had a little fun on the plane. Apparently, they were smoking cigarettes in the back of the plane and refusing to take their masks off even after being asked. and Refusing to wear their of, masks. Sorry, yeah, refusing to wear their masks after after being asked to wear them. And just, you know, they were just into some general partying on the way home. And this wasn't a charter flight. It was a commercial flight with other people on it. So uh, it caused quite a round. I think they were asked politely to leave. Yep. And I bet it wasn't that polite. So uh, <laughs> apparently this is not the first time that the world junior team from Russia has done this. They apparently also did that when the tournament, the tournament was in Buffalo. I want to say in like 2010 or 2011, something like that. That team also got kicked off of their flight yeah. back to Russia. Yeah, so I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So basically what you're saying is if there's one team you do want to play for, it's Russia. Because that sounds like a blast. <laughs> But and that's also one team you don't want to be on a flight with. That's yes. for sure. Yeah. So yeah. If you're hoping to like get some shut eye on the plane and you see the Russian junior team walking <laughs> on, good luck. Might as well just get off. Yeah. Earlier on, I, I said that like worst nightmare is landing and then sitting on the tarmac for three hours. I think it's <laughs> probably just having the Russian junior team get on the plane with you. That's probably well, actually the being worst stuck thing. on the tarmac with the Russian oh, junior team. Yeah. Oh my god. Terrible. <laughs> Those are our weekly one timers. We now move on to Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. Andy, your star of the week. My star of the week is the number one pick in the NHL draft from the Buffalo Sabres, Owen Power. Mm-hmm. For his Michigan. So not only is he having a great year in Michigan, he has like 23 points in 18 games as a defenseman. In the two games that were played by Canada in the World Juniors, he scored three goals and had five points. Not bad for a D-man. Wow. 
One of the, and that's a hat trick. Those three point, those three goals came in one game. So we had a hat trick, five points overall in just two games. Yep. Uh, and that was against Czechia, right? Not against the. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my star of the week is in the same vein. So I'm sticking with Team Canada as well. I'm going with Connor Bedard. So he's the 16 year old phenom that we talked about a couple of times. He plays for the Regina Pats in the WHL. Uh, he had four goals against Austria in an 11 to two win. He then comes back to Regina after the tournament gets canceled, and he again scores four goals, this one against the Moose Jaw Warriors, uh, and he even gets the overtime game winner in that one. Uh, Fun fact, though, against Austria, do you guys recall, we said uh, on our last show, if you see a game against Austria, maybe steer clear of that (laughs) one. So we were not wrong because this one, again, ended uh, 11-2. So we were not wrong. That's that. Connor Bedard, pretty good at hockey. Probably want to tank in 2023 when he's drafted. Don't try hard for Bedard. That's right. Uh, oh, by the way, as long as we're talking about the Regina Pats, uh, Andy, you said something very interesting before we started recording about that team and uh, how we just kind of assume that Connor Bedard is leading the team in points, right? Well, yeah, because he led the whole league in points last year. So mm-hmm. you just would suspect a year older that that's what he was been doing. And he has 28 points in 25 games, which is respectable for a 17-year-old. Yeah. But he's not leading the Pats in scoring. He's not. Who's leading no. the team? It's a defenseman. Okay. Who has 30 points, who has five goals and 25 assists in wow. 30 games. Anyone we've heard of before? Uh, yeah, his name is Riker Evans, oh. who is the property of the Seattle Kraken. Well, wouldn't you know? Pick. Wouldn't you know? That's pretty cool. Having uh, quite the year. Yeah. John, who's your star of the week? Uh, my star of the week is a number one overall draft pick from 2019, the New Jersey Devils, Jack Hughes. Okay. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did he throw his stick in the crowd again, or what happened? No, he didn't. But he had eight <laughs> points in three games. Oh, so nice. that's pretty good. And you know, there was a lot of hype around Jack Hughes before the draft, but he was a little small and uh, played in the NHL right away. So maybe we're starting to see him kind of start to hit his stride. I think he's been playing well over the last uh, season and a half, but um, I think I think we're, we're going to see start seeing a lot more from him because he's yeah. starting to find a groove well and he got hurt remember because of the game against the kraken earlier i do remember that yeah (laughs) of the season uh which is unfortunate but uh good to see him back good to see him playing well and contributing i agree i think the ceiling is very very high for him he's he's pretty fun to watch so john your tweet of the week we're closing the show with our tweets of the week what is your tweet of the week my tweet of the week comes from uh, a guy named Trevor Zegras. Have you heard of this guy? Yeah, he's been in the news a little bit lately, right? Yeah, he could be the um, rookie of the year. But he tweeted this highlight reel, or mm-hmm. should we call it a low light reel? And it says, ringing in the new year, watching some of my biggest moments from 2021. Don't forget to vote for me for the all-star. And it's it's him like tripping. It's him like trying to you know, the, the Michigan goal and failing miserably and just looking like a buffoon. It's pretty funny that he's tweeting it and he's like trying a shot between his legs, butchers it. So kind of a, a funny little highlight reel and, and, uh, self-deprecating a bit so pretty cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. You know, he also, uh, it, he was like the star of that prank where they had Kevin Shattenkirk wearing the big teddy bear costume <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and he was like scaring his teammates and most of them kind of like figured out that there was something off uh, but Zegras had no idea it was coming and like there's great <laughs> screen grabs out there of Zegras just completely freaking out when, when Shattenkirk starts moving so uh, pretty funny stuff. Uh, Andy your tweet of the week. 
Uh, my tweet of the week comes from Pete Blackburn, who who's a who is a regular yeah. of tweet of the week. Yeah, he show. shows. I think he's definitely shown up more than anybody else in Although tweets. Although he, he's been pretty quiet lately. Yeah, yeah I got to say, yes. he hasn't agree, shown up yeah. on the radar too often lately. So his he tweets his tweet is timely because it, it comes from the one NHL game I believe tonight, and that's at New York Rangers playing hosting Edmonton. And he's he's got his tweet says the beautiful game and it's a gif or gif whichever you prefer of Edmonton goalie Miko Koskinen is standing in his crease and somehow Rangers uh, center Craig McKegg is in the net on his knees I'm not sure how that happened but he's behind him in the net <laughs> and he gives he gives Koskinen just a little nudge like hey let me out of here and Koskinen dives forward flails his arms in the air as if he just got shot in the back yeah <laughs> and it's pretty it's pretty hilarious. it is a good video i definitely appreciated that one i can't help wondering how greg mckeg got himself into that situation (laughs) i love the fact that koskinen then just stands up and he's like he's shocked that that mckeg would try to get out of the net right like how could he do that i'm gonna i'm gonna flail so i checked the box score he did not draw a penalty there so it didn't work well he i mean he should have gotten one in my opinion oh i just see he might have gotten one too koskinen may have should have probably gotten an embellishment but yeah currently trending on twitter on hockey twitter is koskinen so <laughs> My tweet of the week comes from Michael Russo, the uh, famed beat writer oh, uh-huh. for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, since we were talking about the Winter Classic anyway, he says, Scores of fans have sought refuge under the heaters and the concourses and probably the bars. But leave it to the Minnesota <laughs> Wild to wait 21 years for a Winter Classic and largely empty target field by the second intermission. <laughs> it does. It really does sum up Minnesota sports fandom quite well, right there. Uh, hey. you know, one of these big tentpole events finally comes to the state, and uh, that's how they play. So, anyway, hey, real quick, uh-huh. uh, Andy, have you heard anything about a potential junior game played at Climate Pledge Arena this season? I have. I've heard many rumblings that there is, there will be a Western Hockey League game played at yeah, Climate Pledge. I'm pretty sure it's going to be February 26th. Between two local teams, hmm. I don't know if you've heard of these hint, teams. Hint, but hint. Yeah, I've also yeah. heard that an announcement is coming very, very soon. Like maybe even before you hear this podcast. All right, so. cool. All right, so then we are in alignment here. So. Yes. Wow, we're, that's, we're that's almost very confirming. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're almost confirming a uh, source here. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, I on mean, the fly. One, there's one team that's kind of named after a bear, I think, and another team that's like kind of <laughs> named after a totem. But so yeah, like a totem that also has something to do with like stormy something weather that flies yeah yes yes in storms. A bird. Yeah. it's also yeah it's a fowl mm-hmm. a flying storm <laughs> yeah <laughs> but hey let's not that's not uh well, we can't announce feel. it completely yeah. but right. uh yeah i'm all for it i think it's a great idea board. and then when that's over they'll then go just right into the uh world cup of hockey the women's uh, U18s. Yeah. Yeah. This will be and a we'll triple add, header. It'll be a triple we'll be header. We'll, we'll yeah. just move the Olympic yeah. tournament to Seattle as well. So. That's also a great hey, idea. Yeah. I don't think Andy, it takes much, pre- much preparation. So, <laughs> Hey, Andy, there's no bad ideas here. That's right. That's right. Let's, let's be honest here. Except for ones that are bad. All right. This wraps up episode 169 <laughs> of the Sound of Hockey. Uh, please do subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will read it on next Next week's episode, we didn't have one this week, so uh, nothing to read for you guys. But we'll read it if you leave us five-star review. Uh, we'll talk to you all very soon for episode 170. Cheers. Don't ever play Lady of Spain again!